0: Men. These guys are uh, receiving the offering uh, and prayer requests. i to uh, remind you kind of where we are, what's going on. We're finishing up a series this week on uh, relationships, talking about getting relational. We're talking about the, the things that make relationships great, how we can have them. Next week, we, uh, we're launching into our Christmas series, which is always a blast. And again, not so silent night as we kick off Christmas next week. Really looking forward to that. But today we're uh, going to finish this series on a rather heavy note. Last week we were in one of the sweetest scriptures in all the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 9. And today we get into one of the saddest sections of scripture in all the Bible, 2 Samuel chapter 11. And what, what we want to see in this is the reality that we all face. It's very easy to stand in judgment of David and say shame on him and Say, like the tax collector wants, I'm so glad I'm not like David, but that would not serve us well. Let's learn from this so that we can not only provide what is best for our life as we walk in obedience to God, but so that we can develop these great relationships that are such a blessing to all who are around us. Understand that people in great relationships, they do something very simple. They do the right thing. It's amazing to think about how, how how much easier how much better our lives would be if we would just simply do the right thing and when you talk about doing the right thing there's a lot there's lots of aspects to this one of which is simply being at the right place at the right time. One is simply having an appropriate attitude. We can't always choose when we go through but we can choose our attitude. It's, it's something as, as simple as, you know what, I'm going to obey God no matter what. You know, if we would do that, if we would just be where we're supposed to be when we're supposed to be there, if we would check our attitude and make sure it's God on and if we would decide right now, no matter what it costs me, no matter what it takes, I'm going to obey God no matter what, things would be so much better. And our relationships would be great What we see in our text today is David doing the wrong thing. And he's doing that because he's at the wrong place at the wrong time. He has the wrong attitude. You go back and you look at 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, 2 Samuel chapter 9, and you see a a, a man who is content. You see a man who is grateful. You go to chapter 11 and you see a man in complacency. You see a man who has a, a spirit of entitlement the opposite of what God wants for his children. You see a guy who's just ready to, to make a great fall and he does. He does not obey God. In his arrogance he decides he knows better than God and he thinks he can actually fool God. Let's learn from his mistake. Let's grow from his mistake. Let's walk in the truth that God has given to us in his word. That, that we might have great relationships. If you've got your Bible, and I hope you do, let's go to 2 Samuel chapter 11. And I'm going to ask Baylor to come up, and he's going to read verse just verse 1, and then we're going to, uh, God willing, uh, walk through the remainder of the text. Let's all stand together in honor of God's word. Again, we're in 2 Samuel chapter 11. And by the way, as we walk through this, I know there's little ears, this will be rated PG, all right? Uh so let's start with verse one. Bailey, go ahead and read that for us. In the spring of the year, yes. Um, yes. the time when kings got to battle, yes. David sent Joab and his servants with him and all Israel. And they ravaged yes. the Ammonites and besieged Jericho. But David remained at Jerusalem. The grass withers and the flower fails, but the word of the Lord remains forever. Amen. Yes. Amen. If you would go up and be seated. Thanks, I Appreciate that. So, uh, what's the background of this? Okay. So, David is still king. He is experienced and has experienced unbelievable success. He's grown comfortable with it. He's beginning to tell himself, I should have what I want. We've got to be so careful when we get to that place in life, when we start thinking and start telling ourselves, I should be able to have whatever I want. If that is your attitude, if you're telling yourself that right now, stop. Because you're about to hurt yourself and other people. That's where David was. He uh, has established his kingdom, but there are still threats. And one of the things that we need to understand as followers of Jesus is that there's always going to be a threat. So long as we are not in heaven and we are we're walking in exiles here on this earth, there's always going to be threats to us. Our flesh and the world and the devil are always pursuing us. We can never be complacent. We must always be battle-ready. David was not. He was not battle ready. He chose to do the opposite of what he was supposed to do. He was not where he was supposed to be. He was not smart. He was allowing himself to be in a place where he would be tempted. Not only was he in the wrong place, but he allowed his eyes to go to where they should not have gone. And he sins. Not surprisingly, he sins. But his sin, his son... He sinned us so much more than just hurt him. And here's what I want us to be warned with today to understand. Our sin does not just impact us. Think of the people you love the most. Your sin will impact them the most. You've heard me say this for many, many years. Sin always takes you further than you intended to go, costs you more than you wanted, wanted to pay, and gives you less than a promise. That's a fact. Uh, Justin over at the Redeemer site he, he sent me a sermon yesterday and uh, I, I love the way he says it he says imagine sin is for sale on Amazon alright on all right, Amazon it's going to say this is awesome, this is great you got to have it, you want it, get it it should be yours but if you would click on the review section where people share what happened when they bought the, 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 the product they would say don't buy this don't get it, it doesn't work Sickness. It causes pain. Stay away from this. This is terrible. Let's see this in this text today. Let's understand what it is God wants us to do. Jesus says this so clearly in John fifteen: Abide in me, and, and, and there will be and it will be produced good fruit. And that's what that's what happens with great relationships. They are the fruit of people doing the right thing. So what does it mean to do the right thing? Let's just look at a few things that we can see in our text today. The first is this. Doing the right thing requires responsibility. You've got to be responsible. David wasn't doing what was blessed and responsible as king. You see in verse 1 there, in the spring of uh, the year, the time when kings go out to battle. So the springtime is when kings, having wintered and, and and been able to heal from their wounds, They go out to battle. They lead the armies in battle. David is not where he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be out fighting the fight. Instead, he's back home, Jerusalem, taking a nap. He was not where he was supposed to be. You know, one of the fundamental aspects of being a follower of Jesus is understanding that we are stewards. Everything that we have that is good comes from God Everything. We are stewards of it. Please understand, we don't get to keep any of this. It all goes back to the maker. Now, what we do have to do is we have to give an account for it. So if you are a blood-bought child of the king of heaven, please understand, you do not belong to you anymore. Have been bought with a price. First Corinthians chapter 6 says it as players can be. Or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God in your body. Your life has been bought by God. And now He, he owns us. We are His servants. We are His stewards. We are His children. Admitted into His family. And the blessings. Oh, the blessings. He's going to hold us accountable for every one of us. Look it says in, what is it? Yeah, Romans 14, 12. So that each of us will give an account of himself to God. I'm just going to think about this. Believer. Believer, I'm talking to you. When you have to give an account to God for your resources, and when I say resources, I, I mean more than money, although that's a big part of it. Your time your emotional energy. How will you be found? Will you be found faithful? Will you be one who hears, well done, good and faithful servant. I gave you this much time. I gave you this much emotional energy. I gave you this much money. I enabled for you to be able to have this kind of living. I know there's somebody that was my money. I earned that money. You sure did. Who gave you that brain. Who gave you those hands? Who was it that saw fit to have you be born in this country with that family so you could get that education and have all that you have? Let's not forget who is the author. Who it is is the maker. Who is it that owns it all? It ain't us. We will have to give an account to the one who owns it all. How's that going to go? What kind of steward have you been with your resources? How have you treated those who are dead in sin and oppressed. Have you shared the hope of the gospel with them? Have you prayed for them? Have you put that kind of time and emotional energy into them? Have you invested in them and invited them to come and know Christ, come and invited them to be in the atmosphere of this place of worship so they can be with our family and and see what it feels like to stand in awe and worship and praise and be encouraged in the truth of the gospel? How have you treated God? How do you treat God? Are you in awe of Him? Do you reverence Him? Do you think of Him often? Or is He just a part of your life? Is He just a little bit of your Sunday mornings? If you don't have anything else better to do. Is He just kind of whatever's left over, if there happens to be a chance that you might happen to think about Him? Oh, I, I, I listen to Christian radio. Good for you, is that what you're going to tell the Almighty? You gave me this time. You gave me this energy. You gave me these words. You gave me yourself. He's going to hold you accountable for how you treated yourself and other people. Did you love your neighbor as yourself? Did you receive the love of God and allow that love to define you and then give it to others? You're responsible. Let me ask you something. Are you being responsible with your blessings? Doing the right thing requires responsibility. Secondly, doing the right thing, it restricts temptation. It restricts it. Now, we will always be tempted no matter where we are. But temptation is limited when we are doing the right thing. If David hadn't been in the city on the roof looking around at the time when women would typically bake, he would not have been tempted. Have I any of you all noticed in the last five days, you've eaten way more than you probably needed to? How many of you would say, I have been overly tempted in the last few days? Yes. You know, I, I, we're about to walk into a season of temptation. I'm talking to this guy. All right? Right now, my birthday was a few weeks ago, I've got at least at, at least 10 pounds of MM's waiting for me because y'all love me so much. And you're good to your pastor. We are going to have cookies around here like nobody's. business. It's going to smell so good almost every day. You know what I got to do? I got to stop. You know what they say? In the next six weeks, the average American will gain six pounds. If you want mine, you can have it. I'm going to try to avoid that temptation. Many are going to be tempted to go into debt this this year. I I noticed a a quote, couldn't believe it, that there's a large percentage of Americans who have yet to pay off last Christmas. There's a lot of folks that are right now about to enter into temptation of us. They don't need to buy. Everyone's tempted. When when we deal with folks that are uh, trapped in sin from time to time. Many times, what we'll do as leadership is we'll, we'll bring in friends of the person who is who is trapped in sin. And it never fails that someone, sometimes one of those friends will come to me and say, I can't believe that this person has done this. It would have never dawned on me to do something like that. And I always want to say, that, I don't always do it. Sometimes I say, well, what would it dawn on you to do? What I'm asking there is, What are you tempted in? See, we're not all tempted in the same things. And what's easy to do is to look at someone like David and say, I would never do anything like that. Well, good for you. What would you do? What are you liable to do? When it comes to sin, we need to understand three things, okay? First of all, what tempts us? What tempts you? What are you most likely to fall into? Some of you it's lying. Some of you it's greed. Some of you it is. It's it's lust. Some of you it's, 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 it's unforgiveness. Everyone has a point of temptation, a very serious point. What are you most tempted? When are you most tempted? When is it that you're most likely to fall into that? And how can you best avoid that temptation? Friends, we have got to be smart. We've got to be resourceful. And if we're doing the right thing, if we're where we're supposed to be with the attitude we have, saying, I'm going to obey God no matter what, we can reduce temptation. Now, we will always be tempted, but we need not be tempted as much as we often are. You've got to do the right thing. You've got to have responsibility. You've got to take that on. You've got to restrict temptation. Third, this is crucial. Got to respect accountability. Doing the right thing respects accountability. David blew this off. David had blessed accountability. Uh, you know, let's look at verse 3. I want to really pay, pay close attention to this. I want you to see this, what David did here. And don't do this. This question right here, I, I love this. And one said, I don't know who that one is, but I can't wait to meet him in heaven because this is a good one right here. What this one does right here is is so, so kind, it is so loving. So, here's David, and he sent in an a court about the woman, and one said, look at the accountability in this question. Is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Eliam, the wife of Uriah the Hittite? Now, why is that loaded? Because he's saying, hey, is this not Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam. Now, who is Iliam? Got to go back and research this, but go back to, uh, not now, later, chapter 23, verse 34. Iliam was one of David's mighty men. Iliam was a man who would have died to protect David. This good one is saying, David, that's the daughter of the guy who would die for you. That's who that is. More than that, this Iliam is the son of Ahithophel. Now, who's Ahithophel? You've yeah, got to go back and look at it later. Uh, chapter 15, verse 12. Ahithophel was one of the advisors of David. That's that's uh, Iliam's dad. They're saying, who's this woman? This woman is the daughter of one of your best friends the granddaughter of one of your most closest and wisest advisor. That's right. That's enough to make him go, stop. But to add on, he says, also, the wife, she's married, the wife of your servant, Uriah. The name itself should have woke him up. Uriah, the name means the Lord is my light. He was a Hittite. He was an outsider. What this should have done is it should have made David say, wait a minute, I'm like Uriah. I was an outsider. When Samuel came to anoint a king, my dad didn't even call me into the room. He left me out with those few sheep I was responsible for. I don't belong here. I shouldn't be king. It's by the grace of God I am where I am. But it didn't. You want to know why? He did not respect accountability. He wanted what he wanted, and he wanted people around him to simply say what he wanted to hear. Friends, we've got to have accountability. Every child of God needs a sibling of the same sex asking them hard questions. If you are a child of God and don't have at least one person of the same sex getting in your business, you're in danger. Because you will lie to yourself and let yourself get away with it. I'm under a heavy level of accountability, and I praise God for it. I have a different group of men that I meet with every single day to challenge me, to speak truth to me, and me into them. This afternoon, God willing, we're going to license a couple of men into the ministry. And thinking about that, I thought about 20. 20- Five years ago, I was ordained, and there was a level of accountability placed on me that I've never forgotten. The day I was ordained, the pastor of our church laid hands on me, and here's what he prayed. I've never forgotten this prayer. He said, God, if there's ever a time when this man will embarrass you or hurt your ministry, kill him before he does. I wanted to say amen, but I think I said oh me. That has been a blessing to me all of my ministry. You know, I've come to a point in my life where dying doesn't bother me so much. Embarrassing, my Lord, does. I don't want to hurt you guys. I don't want to hurt my wife, my children. I have that to you. It has been my honor to serve you. You know what Sid wants to do? Wants to rob us of all, of the blessing, of the love that we get to share together as Pastor Pete. I don't lose it. And so I want people in my life saying, Tedis, what's your problem? Teddis, where are you? What are you doing? There is never a single moment in my day when there's not a group of people that don't know exactly where I am. I do not hide Computers or phones, everything is accessible, not to everybody, but to many. That's protection. That's accountability. Do you have that? See, doing the right thing, it respects accountability, it invites accountability. Really when the questions are asked, there is yes, there's humility, there's, there's a gratitude in it. Doing the right thing reduces brokenness. And these next 22 chapters are some of the worst. You look in chapter verse four. I'm sorry, those verses. Look at verse four. David blew off the accountability, blew it off. What did that create? Brokenness. And so these next 22 chapters, verses rather. You see what happens. First of all, verse five. Both Bathsheba and David should have been put to death. That's what their sin would have required under the law. David thought he was above the law. He was living above the law. So now there's a pregnancy. Now david has got to cover up. So what does he do? He lies to himself. He lies to the officials. Hey, uh, somebody bring you the, uh, Uriah back home. He needs to. Uh, he needs to go home and spend some time with his wife, trying to cover it up. But Uriah is the only good character in this whole thing. Joab's no better than David. He's lying as well. Uriah is the only good guy in this whole deal because he, he never breaks his soldier's vow. They were under vows that they were not to sleep in the comforts of their own home. They were to sleep under the sky so long as they were under in wartime. time. And he would not go home. He trusted his leadership. He's the only one honoring God in this whole thing. There's so much wrong about this, but the worst thing is verse 27. He displeased the Lord. It's interesting if you look in verse 24, what he says to Joab. Don't let this displease you. It's the exact same word. Why does he say that? Because David doesn't want to feel as though he has displeased God. He wants to lie to himself, so he's lying to his friend. Hey, hey, don't let this displease you. You can lie to yourself. You can lie to other people. God doesn't lie. And don't forget, look down in verse 24. This didn't just kill Uriah; It killed other men, sons, daddies, buddies, families received word that day that their loved one had been killed, and why? Because of the sin of David. Your sin has a ripple effect. It's not just going to impact you. It's going to impact everyone, and it's, it's going to it's going to displease God. It's going to create brokenness. Now, the consequences, they may be immediate, like they were for David. They may be in eternity. But understand, in Christ, in Christ we are called and enabled to do the right thing by the power of the gospel. Understand, right now you sit as a slave. Everyone in this room, everyone listening to this right now, you are and I am Slave. The question is, what are we a slave to? Romans chapter 6. Do you not know that if you present yourselves to anyone as obedient slaves, you are slaves of the one you obeyed? Either of sin, here are your two options. You're either a, a slave of sin, which leads to death, or of obedience, which leads to righteousness. You are either obeying your flesh or you are obeying Jesus. Either you are obeying sin or you are obeying. You are, you are living under. The, the the mastery of obedience now, how do you get from slave to sin to slave to righteousness but thanks be to God that you who were once slaves to sin have become obedient from the heart to the standard of teaching to which you were committed and having been set free from sin have become slaves of righteousness you have to be set free there's only one that, you can, that can set you free and that is Jesus Christ Christ alone can set you free All of us have sinned. All of us have caused brokenness. All of us are living in a broken world. What can free us? The gospel. The good news that God has paid for our sins. He will live in us so that we can become slaves of Christ so that we can pursue and recover God's design. We can do the right thing. You do not have the willpower to do the right thing. Without Jesus Christ... Sooner or later, you will fail, and your failure will not only will not only condemn you, and it is condemning you to an eternity in hell. It is destroying the people you love the most, because sin has a ripple effect, and it it's going to hit you. It's going to hit your family. It's going to hit your friends. It's going to hit this world. Some of you are causing so much pain. Wake up and repent. Some of you are not children of God because you've not repented to believe in Christ, and you need to do that. But some of you are my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, and you are causing so much trouble. One of the things I say to our new members class is, before they sign the membership covenant, is to say, please understand what you're committing to is that you are going to pursue Christ. And understand, if you don't, we will come looking for you. But every minute we spend coming to look for you, to rescue you from sin, is one less minute or time we have to go and pursue sinners who are on their way to hell. We are wasting way too much time around here going after lazy, thoughtless sheep who are not taking their responsibility seriously. Friends, I cannot tell you the marriages and the friendships and the ministries that were lost last year. People sitting in the same seats you are sitting in right now will not set foot in this church. Some because of shame. Most because of pride. Friends, right now, commit yourself to the Lord. Friends, right now, Take this very seriously to heart. Do the right thing. Let's stand together. as we pray. Father, it's easy to say it. It's hard to do it. And and Lord, I know that there are some today who need to come and just kneel before you and ask you to take their life, forgive them of their sin, and be their savior so that they might become slaves to your will, which is always best. But I I also know in a a crowd this side in our family, but there are some who today need to come and say, Lord, forgive me the way I've treated my family, the way I've dishonored you, the way I've taken for granted the many blessings you've given to me. I am like David. I, I think I deserve something. I am proud. I think I should have what I want when I want. And please forgive me. And Lord, there are some today they know of marriages that are falling apart, friendships that are failing, of ministries that are being lost because of sin. God, as they come to voice to you, your divine intervention, please show them favor. Please, God, guide them in truth. Enable them to, to be like that one who asked that really good question and saw the good and the goodness that you bring to a life that's dependent upon saving work of Jesus Christ. Lord, us now. Come and pray. Come and pray.